The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Sunday, June 12, the outskirts of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Three little girls at scout camp, ages 8, 9, and 10, huddled in their tent when lightning cracks through the air. That night, the three Girl Scouts, Lori Lee Farmer, Doris Denise Milner, and Michelle Heather Gousset, dragged from their tent and murdered. But why? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here on Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. Today and all this week, we follow the exclusive new Fox Nation series, The Girl Scout Murders. Take a listen to this. These woods in northeastern Oklahoma are the site of one of the worst crimes imaginable. Two busloads of Girl Scouts left Tulsa headed for Camp Scott, a Girl Scout retreat located on the Cherokee Reservation some 50 miles away. Among the girls were 10-year-old Denise Milner, 9-year-old Michelle Gouzet, and eight-year-old Lori Farmer. What happened next is unthinkable. 
Three young girls, beaten, sexually assaulted, murdered. Their children's names you always remember, Lori and Denise and Michelle, they're there. And they're never going to go away. Never going to go away. Those names forever ingrained in our memories. But what happened? What happened that night? Again, I'm Nancy Grace, and this is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us, with me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. But first, I want to go out to a special guest, Carla Wilhite, former camp counselor there at the campgrounds at the time of this triple homicide. Carla, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Nancy. Carla, tell me, first of all, I drop my twins at scout camp every year for scout summer camp to earn their merit badges, to work toward Eagle. As a matter of fact, this particular case had me so scared, I forced my husband to join me to train as a volunteer and go to scout camp and stay there sleeping on the ground in a tent the entire first year of scout camp. Uh... Of course, they had nothing but a wonderful time. But I want to go back to the time that these girls were at Girl Scout camp. Tell me about the camp itself. Well, it's a a beautiful property in northeastern Oklahoma, uh, in what we call the green country. And I had spent every summer there um, from 1971 through till 1977 and started out as a, a... a camper and uh, became a counselor in training and um, was really excited to start my first year as a counselor. Um, the camp is just beautiful. It's in the rolling hills, um, forested, just beautiful greens, um, tall trees. Uh, there's just nothing like it. Um, crystal clear streams running through the property. Uh, it was just every year it was just like going home. And, um, you know, back in 1977, uh, security was a lot different, uh, for scouting. And, you know, now it's much as you depicted it. You need a lot of volunteers to be there to, to watch out and make sure the kids are safe. It's interesting that you just said that, Carla Wilhite. Uh, Carla is with me, former camp counselor at this camp. During this time period, when I take the twins to camp, there are, and when I camp there myself with them as a volunteer, there were just as many parents as there were scouts. And we were all around, positioned in tents around the children. My husband went to my son's campsite and I went to my daughter's. I also was a camp counselor. And when you said it feels like coming home, that's exactly what it feels like. Uh, we were in a beautiful national forest, and there, there was there's nothing like it. I still think about it. How has this incident changed your memories? Well, um, you know, for a long time, it changed my memories for the worst. You know, I just remembered the the murders and and the aftermath, and but over the years, as you know, I've recovered from the trauma. And I imagine that it did take years. What is Camp Scott like? Take a listen to this. Well, just like it is today. I mean, it, exactly like it was. The sounds, 
the smells. It's just a beautiful place to be. About 410 acres in total, so it was vast. There was one road in and one paved road out. One road in and one road out. Let's backtrack to our cut one. What happened? Two busloads of Girl Scouts left Tulsa headed for Camp Scott, a Girl Scout retreat located on the Cherokee Reservation some 50 miles away. Among the girls were 10-year-old Denise Milner, 9-year-old Michelle Gouzet, and 8-year-old Lori Farmer. What happened next is unthinkable. Three young girls, beaten, sexually assaulted, murdered. There are children's names you always remember. Lori and Denise and Michelle, they're there. And they're never going to go away. With me is Faith Phillips, Cherokee screenwriter and author of Now I Lay Me Down. Faith, thank you for being with us. Weigh in on the area and the camp. And that night, the three girls were dragged from their tents and murdered. Well, that night, it it was a really stormy night. It it started out a beautiful day, as Carla Wilhite describes so well, a beautiful day in the Cherokee Nation. And then eventually... The storm, there's, you know, Oklahoma's famous for thunderstorms and our tornadoes. But that night, a a huge uh, thunderstorm rolled in. And so it changed the plans of all of the campers. So they all huddled in the Great Hall, which is where they went to eat uh, in the evening around 7 p.m. And uh, they went out on the porch and they just kept waiting for the storm to pass. And girls were out um, singing and singing on, they called it singing porch. And the rain just kept falling and the thunder kept rolling. And then eventually it did pass, but it had been such a a great thunderstorm that the, the leaves were still dripping with rain. And so rather than continue with their regular activities that they would have normally done, the girls just all went back into their tent. Yeah. I could see that. You know, I was just thinking about what Carla Wilhite and Faith Phillips were saying about this idyllic setting. I want to go to Dr. Sean Robertson, a licensed psychologist joining us out of Edmond, Oklahoma, professor of Forensic Science Institute and Psychology Department, University of Central Oklahoma, at DrSeanRobertson.com. Doctor, thank you for being with us. The dichotomy of such a beautiful camp where parents feel safe in leaving their children at these ages, 8, 9, and 10, this is probably the first time some of these girls have ever slept away from home before. Well, the the setting of where crimes can happen is really anywhere, as you know. Uh, you can't necessarily feel safe just because the setting is pristine. Absolutely. To Joe Scott Morgan joining me, Professor of Forensics, Jacksonville State University, and author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, Joe Scott, the dichotomy of when you think you're leaving your child somewhere safe in this bucolic setting, only to get that call in the night that something horrible has happened. I mean, it's not like um, you have a child living, going to school in inner city of New York City or inner city Chicago, there you know there's a very high crime rate. Not that you want it to happen, but 
it's likely to happen. But in a place like this, on the outskirts of Tulsa, Oklahoma, at a Girl Scout camp, Joe Scott? Yeah. You mentioned the word bucolic. There's something I like to mention many times when I'm, I'm speaking to folks and teaching, and that is as investigators, uh, we often have to uh, view and assess the abnormal in the context of the normal. And it's, it's a real shock to your system many times because, you know, there's a lot of us out here, myself included, that went to camp when we were kids. Can you imagine being an investigator and having to figure this out? And plus, it's isolated. Aha. Uh-huh. Very important, Joe Scott. As to the mind of the killer and the way a scene is processed, the isolation of this camp uh, adds in a whole nother factor. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible is Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. 
It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Back to you, Carla Wilhite, Scout Camp Counselor there at Camp Scott. What do you recall about that evening? All the girls go to their tents after an unexpected rain. Then what happens? When we got back to our unit, uh, Kiowa, we spent uh, quite a bit of time just trying to dry off. Uh, As Faith mentioned, the trees were just dripping rain. Um, We put the tent flaps down just in case it, you know, continued to rain. Um, and uh, help the girls kind of get settled in. And, you know, from there, it was just kind of a lively evening. You've got girls giggling, shrieking, flashlights, you know, shining every which direction. Um, (laughs) Counselors getting tired (laughs) and sleepy. And, you know, it's time to go to bed. And we finally got everybody settled down. Um, and everything got, you know, really quiet. Were they having at the time cracker barrels? That's what they call now anyway, after the scouts finish all their classes and what they're doing during the day, they go back to their tent site, which you're talking about, Carla, and they have the giggling and the flashlights and snacks and drinks and kind of a little scout party, and then they go to bed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine everybody being in high spirits, and then after they go to their tents, you still see a lot of flashlights in there and giggling and laughter and a couple of screams, and then somehow, mysteriously, everything suddenly gets quiet. And I imagine that's what happened that night. Absolutely. That, that, that paints a perfect picture of it. Who are these three little girls? Just think about it. Ages 8, 9, and 10. Take a listen to this. Among the campers is a precocious 8-year-old named Lori Farmer, a natural leader protective of her four younger siblings. There's also Michelle Gouzet, a third-year scout, she has a passion for competitive sports, particularly soccer. She sat in her mother's lap the night before camp started and said that she would miss her while she was gone. And there is Denise Milner, one of only a few African-American girls attending Camp Scott this summer. Like her tentmates, Lori and Michelle, she is multi-talented, participating in gymnastics, tap dancing, and the church choir. Wow. I'm just imagining these three little girls in their tents right now. Uh, But some of them, as always at camp, knew they were going to be homesick. Listen. As I began to to board the bus, I saw Denise and her mother. Denise was visibly crying and upset. So I walked over and introduced myself, said, Hi, I'm Michelle. 
Um, what's your name? Come on, we're gonna go have a great time. You can ride with me. And we climbed on the bus and she was sitting by the window and I was telling her all the great things that we're gonna do at camp. And her mother came on the bus, Betty, and she was like, I could tell she was worried about it, right? And she was so, she can, she can call me if she gets homesick. So I was like, I'll make sure she's taken care of. I'm just imagining that Carla Wilhite with me, a former Camp Scott counselor, an interesting thing happened last summer when I was a volunteer at Scout Camp, much like this camp. A little boy came down the, the, the road. There's no streets. They're all dirt. And he was just crying his heart out. And I noticed none of the counselors or none of the adults were going to him. And I went to him and I hugged him. I'm like, what's wrong? And he goes, I want to go home. I miss my mom. And all of a sudden, like three adult volunteers came and said, let go. I went, what's wrong? And I let go because of all the rules now. You can't touch a scout, even if they're crying and snotting and they're homesick. But guess what? The very next day, I went back to where the little boy had been, and he was having a great time. He didn't want to go home. And I will also add that they get very homesick. Horrible cell phone coverage, of course, but my entire battery is used up every night with girls wanting to call home to their moms. Now, some people have viewed this when you went over and comforted Denise uh, as some type of a premonition. I think she was just afraid to be alone. I would agree with that. I mean, um, I think all of us are homesick the first night away at, at Girl Scout camp. I know I was. But by the end of the two weeks, I didn't want to go home. Yeah, that's the way it always seems to be, Carla. So as we're trying to, as Joe Scott Morgan was talking about this isolated area, figure out what happened that night. What is the layout? Listen. When the bus stops, end up at the staff house. You're going to find out what unit you're in. Quapa. Iowa. Here was Comanche. And the youngest girls were in Cherokee. The tents are arranged typically in a somewhat circle or U-shape with the counselor's tent by the trail that came into the camp. Uh, tent one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Lori, Denise, and Michelle were assigned to tent number seven. Thinking about that layout and the fact that this camp, of course, like all scout camps, is very isolated in the woods. Join me right now, uh, another special guest, Kent Freitas, uh, an attorney out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, former minority leader in the Oklahoma House and author of Oklahoma's Most Notorious Crimes. Now here is a guy that knows what he's talking about. He's the author of Oklahoma's Most Notorious Crimes and of Oklahoma Hiking Trails. So that's the perfect marriage to discuss this incident, a triple homicide of three little girls, ages 8, 9, and 10. Kent Freitas, thank you for being with us. I'm sure you're familiar with this case. 
tell me about the layout of the campsite and the isolation of this remote location and how that played into trying to catch the killer. Let me first say that this is clearly one of the most notorious cases in the history of the state. Uh, and it was at the time, it was both a notorious case in Oklahoma and nationally. And as the facts develop, you'll see that all of the factors involved and not only just the hideousness of the crime are important. But as far as the layout of the camp, I think it was very important because it was 400 acres of wooded land. It was completely rural. Uh, there was no nothing nearby except a few isolated farm houses. To that night and the hideous nature of these crimes, um, you know, I'm just thinking of kids sitting around a campfire and everybody's telling ghost stories. They started right here. They started right here with Camp Scott and this story, except this is not a story. These are real little girls, ages 8, 9, and 10, that lost their lives that night. Their families destroyed. And the lore around this, as Kent Freda says, hideous crime has affected scouting and hiking in general, camping from this moment on. Take a listen to this. And I, and I did go out later that night because I heard a noise didn't really sound like an animal, didn't really sound like a, a person. It just kept going on and it was kind of over across the fence. And I went out with my flashlight and I started walking over that direction, kind of trying to shine my light and see what it is. When I would shine my light, the noise would stop. So I'm like, okay turn around, start walking away, the noise starts again. So I do this a few times and I can just feel this apprehension growing in me because I don't want to tangle with whatever that is. I can't see what it is. I don't know what it is. I guarantee you if she knew what that noise was, if it was associated with what was happening, she would have given her life in a second. You're hearing the voice of Carla Wilhite, camp counselor at the time of this triple murder of three young Girl Scouts. Carla, could you describe the sound? Yeah, it was, um, as I said, it, it didn't sound like any animal I had ever heard or like a human. It was just a low, um, kind of ra raspy um sound like a like almost like a moan and um it would kind of trail off and stop when i shine my light over toward it um and as i said i mean i did become frightened and didn't want to 
go any further than I had. So you're saying it didn't sound like a person and it didn't sound like an animal? Right. Uh, it really hard to describe. In retrospect, when you look back, what do you think it was? Well, because of its proximity to where I found the girls in the morning, I I am guessing it was someone um, that it that it was possibly a human being. At that time, did you have any reason to suspect that the girls were in danger? Absolutely not. I I really believed it was, um, you know, an an animal, even though I couldn't identify it. And what time was this, Carla? I would say it was probably about two in the morning. Why were you up at two? Uh, I heard the noise. Uh, it woke you up. Yes. Did you ever hear screams? No. Never. Not, no. Okay, guys, take a listen to this. And I looked over to my right, and I saw some sleeping bags in the road. And the first thing that I, I thought was, oh, my gosh, you know, some sleeping bags must have fallen off the truck when they delivered all the girls' luggage. I better get it. But then as I started walking closer, I could see a body. And then closer, could see it was a young girl. And recognized as I approached that this young girl, she was motionless. She wasn't breathing. It was just an overwhelming recognition that, you know, this, this child is, 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 is dead. Carla, I cannot even imagine what you went through finding this. Describe for us why you were there in that spot. What happened? For the most simple of reasons, I had set my alarm for 6 o'clock so that I could get to the staff house and take a shower with warm water because all we had were cold water showers. And so I, you know, put on my glasses, got a dry towel and um, went out down the steps of my tent and started walking up the road. And there's a, a you know, a little um, intersection of one road with another. And um, that's where I found the children. I can't even imagine what went through your mind when you realized this was actually a little girl's body. At first I thought, some terrible accident had happened. I mean, I literally was trying to make sense of it that somehow someone got scared during the night and I mean, as a ran into a tree and uh, you know, died as a result. I mean, you're just trying to make sense of the unsensible. To Dr. Sean Robertson, I've hear that from so many crime victims and tangential victims of crime like Carla Wilhite. They're struggling to make sense of what their mind, what they see. It's like the eye is tricking the mind. Like her thought was, was there an accident? Did this girl hit a tree? And that explains what I'm seeing. What is that? Some sort of a mental self-defense? Well, most people just aren't, uh, you know, aren't exposed to the, the violence and evil that, uh, that, that happens in this world. And so when they run across such a brutal crime, they, they're they looking for an explanation for how it could have happened. And 
especially out there in a in a remote area like that, you would never suspect that um, a, a sexual psychopath may have been in the campground. Listen to this. One of the girls was out of the sleeping bag, and the other two were zipped up in the bag. The one that was out of the bag had a blow to her head. The other two sleeping bags were zipped up, but when they were unzipped, they discovered the other two girls had also been beaten, and all three of them were dead. They had been restrained with duct tape in one way or another, and one of them had a piece of cord around her neck that had something on it that they later determined was a gag. You are hearing the voice of one of our special guests, Kent Freitas, former minority leader in the Oklahoma House and author of Oklahoma's Most Notorious Crimes. That's why no one heard any screams, Kent. They were duct taped across the mouth. Well, that's correct. And also, uh, at least one of them was killed very quickly uh, with a massive blow to the head. Uh, the other thing was that uh, not only were they duct taped, but in one case, the uh, uh, one of the girls was tied with a cord, and that will become increasingly important. The bodies, um, you, you stated one girl was killed very, very quickly. Had she been raped? That's correct. There was... All three of them had been sexually assaulted. When you say assaulted, do you mean raped? Yes. Take a listen to this. The first responders observed that both Lori Farmer and Michelle Gouzet had very likely been knocked out by blows to the head with blunt instruments. While Denise Milner appeared to have survived longer than the other two girls because her body was still warm when the authorities arrived. All three girls were sexually assaulted and found about 150 yards away from 10-7. The body's still warm. Okay, Joseph Scott Morgan, death investigator and host of a new hit series, Body Bags, with Joe Scott Morgan on iHeart. What does that tell you, Joe Scott? Well, obviously, you know, you begin to think about the environmental temperature that night. You remember beforehand, uh, we had talked about how it had rained, and that's going to cool the environment, uh, the ambient environmental temperature will. So that really focuses in on uh, on this one body that is still warm because, you know, after death, one of the things that we look for is the postmortem interval. And if the ambient environmental temperature is at a point where it is so cool and the body is still warm, you know, you know that she had survived for some time, particularly comparison to her two companions. Nancy. Thank you to our partner in making today's program possible. It's Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. 
By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zen.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Joining me is Faith Phillips, a Cherokee screenwriter and author of Now I Lay Me Down. You can find her on Facebook at Faith Phillips. Faith Phillips, weigh in. Well, I think this is one of the most disturbing parts of of the crime and there are so many disturbing elements to it but the fact that um, one of the girls was kept alive for some time I think indicates something even more sinister you know murder is bad enough but here we have um, something that indicates torture 
of some sort. And that takes it to an entirely different level of crime. What do you mean by that? Well, we have um, someone who is intentionally inflicting torture on a child. And so that, that would indicate, and I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist of any sort, but when, when I consider that just as a human being of the kind of mental state it, it would take for an adult to take an innocent child from a tent and to intentionally keep them alive, to inflict pain on them. This is beyond um, most people's imagination. And certainly when I learned about the details, I had, I had known about the case for some time. In fact, people had asked me to write a book about the case. And I'd always said no because I felt like it had already been covered. And um, when I really started looking into the case and I learned more and more details about what actually happened, the horror of what happened that night, it just keeps getting worse and worse the more you learn about the crime. It really does. The three girls in their tents, all raped, all murdered, in the middle of the night, and no one heard a thing. The forensic experts start their mission. Listen. At the crime scene, police begin collecting evidence, looking for possible clues. They find a red flashlight left by the bodies, its lens covered by plastic with a hole in it to make it harder to be seen at night, and multiple prints, a bloody boot print on the tent floor, along with the print of a tennis shoe. Wow, you know, Joe Scott Morgan, forensic expert, I'm all forgetting shoe prints, but that's really not a lot to go on. No, it's not. But what it does indicate to me, Nancy, thinking about the flashlight and thinking about the nature or the, the mode in which these little angels died, I think it's, it's significant in the fact that this individual showed up prepared, Nancy. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, there was some cutting that was involved relative to the canvas on the tent to get access to the tent. The individual obviously had a sharp instrument with them to get access to the backside of the tent. But then, you know, what has been alluded to are these bludgeoning tools. This is the tool that this individual chooses to end their lives with. And it, it escalates it up to a certain level of violence. So you would have blood evidence there. And there's quite a bit of it. And another thing, Joe Scott, clearly the perpetrator, the killer of three girls, eight, nine and 10 years old, sleeping in their tents at Girl Scout camp came prepared. This was not spur of the moment. This was planned. Take a listen to this. Law enforcement announces that two squirrel hunters have come across a remote cave. In the coming days, authorities say two more caves with clues to the investigation are discovered. And inside them, law enforcement says, are photographs. A photographer at the prison had taken the photographs. One of Hart's prison jobs had been to assist that photographer. If he had been in that cave and left these there, it would have tied him to the murder scene. And then in the third cave, somebody had scratched a note on the wall that said, the killer was here and had a date. 10 days after the girls were found in their sleeping bags and based on the evidence the police said was found in the caves, the authorities charged Jean Leroy Hart with first-degree murder in the deaths of Lori Farmer, Michelle Gouzet, and Denise Milner. To Carla Wilhite joining us, she 
was a camp counselor at Camp Scott at the time of the three murders and rapes of three little girls. There's really no way you could possibly know that out far away from the camp, a guy is living in a cave. (laughs) It just is astounding to think that someone that's actually known to be escaped from jail is living near a Girl Scout camp. It still just feels... Unreal. Mm-hmm. How far away from the camp was this cave? This is Faith Phillips. That cave is just about a mile south of the Girl Scout camp, and, and it's very remote. You have to walk through some woods to get to it, so most people probably didn't even know, even locals probably didn't even know that that cave was there. Um, and it had... it. We call it a cave, but it was actually a root cellar. So there had been an old homestead there, and the house was gone. And it was like a root cellar in the side of a creek bank. And so they call it a cave, but it was actually a cellar. Wow. And to imagine, I mean, how can you possibly protect children against something you don't know about? Well, I mean, what about it, Faith? Who would imagine to go a mile away and look for, as it's being called, a cave. Uh, and it's a good point. It's it's something to consider. I think that most people are, are pretty naive, I, myself included. And so I living in the Cherokee Nation, I have always, I, I grew up there. I always felt safe. And so I share that same sense with Carla that you would never imagine that something like this could happen. Um, it, but on the other hand, having spoken to locals, I've found out that it was known that people uh, would gather around that camp. Um, Teenage teenagers and hooligans is the word that they often use, but that was a source of entertainment. They knew uh, that locals, some of the locals knew that, that that people would gather around the camp for entertainment. And in fact, uh, the Harold Berry, who was a highway patrolman would go and scatter the people that were the, the teenage boys, I suppose, you would, is probably the best way to describe the people that would gather around there just to try and scare the girls. And so it was known that, um, that there were people that, should, that weren't authorized to be around the camp, not by Carla or by the camp director, but by locals. They knew that, that people sometimes gathered around there that shouldn't have been there. I don't know that I would call them authorized, but I agree it was known. But imagine some guy living in a cave or an old root cellar. Guys, we are following the very latest developments in the exclusive new Fox Nation series, The Girl Scout Murders. We're following it here on Crime Stories all week long. Tomorrow, clues emerge as the manhunt for this guy living in a cave, Gene Hart, heats up. Plus... Are more alleged killers on the run? Nancy Grace signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. 
all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio Music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.